0: Hello, welcome to the Creative Writing Life Podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman, and I'm happy to introduce our guest today. He is a playwright. He is a writer. He's a writing mentor, writing coach. My gosh, he wears so many hats. Uh, Glad he could fit on the screen today. Jack Canfora, (laughs) thanks for coming on today.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I'm very excited about it.
0: As, yeah, are, well, we. as are we, as are we, you know, I, we've had a lot of writers on. I don't think we've had a playwright before. So, you know, I
1: was, I was going to say, I, I didn't see any playwrights there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like I've said before, like being in a, growing up in America and becoming a playwright, sort of like growing up, you know, like in the Congo and deciding to become an Alpine skier. you know, it's sort of uh, <laughs> not exactly a, a big demand for it in, in a lot of ways, but um, yeah, I mean, I sort of, sort of fell into that naturally because I was an actor at first. And so that seemed the the easiest way. Oh, that's great. That's
0: great, because that, that raised a great point. We can we can get into that later, but mm. uh, as uh, regular listeners and, I guess, viewers of the show, uh, we always start off by talking about something uh, we've read or watched recently, and uh, Jack, will let you go last. Uh, yeah. Justin, do you want to start? Sure, and I will say we did
2: have Ru- uh, Ross uh, Berger, Berger mm-hmm. on, and he was a playwright before becoming a video game writer, so we mostly oh. focused on the video game side of that, so today <laughs> we can... I said right. that. But then he decided
1: uh, he wanted to make money with his writing. Yeah, 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 <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess so. Uh, yeah, so I, unrelated to today's topic, uh, finished the third season of Wu Tang this week, and I enjoyed that a lot. It's on Hulu. It's following the uh, establishment and rise of the Wu Tang clan. Uh, they ain't to be messed with, so <laughs> it's really uh, a lot of fun for me. I thought it was really relevant as a writer because that's like all the show's about is about them like going out and trying to find their, their wilderness, you know, to be able to get that writing vibe on and all that. And like, and then all the hurdles you face with like the different, you know, clashes with your crew and everything. And a lot of ways we see a lot of that, especially in game writing, there's a lot of backstabbing <laughs> and throwing people under buses and then a lot of uh, all trying to figure <laughs> out the money and you know, who's going to get paid. Where's this contract? Why haven't I got paid from the studio? So Thank gosh, a lot that sort of change. stuff
1: doesn't happen in the other areas of entertainment. You know, it's <laughs> video gaming. Certainly not true in theater.
0: <laughs> it's a very yeah. rare breed. Uh, so I haven't been able to watch as much this past week. Uh, we picked my daughter up from school, so she's home from the summer. So I haven't been able to uh, make my way through the Netflix queue, but have been watching a couple of shows that are streaming, including uh, the latest episodes of Ted Lasso on Apple. That's still an enjoyable show. I'm very intrigued to see how they wrap up the season since it's the last one. It is also the last season for The Marvelous Miss is Maisel, which is on Amazon. Mm. That's its fifth season and it's still going strong and that is also again final season so I'm very intrigued to see how they wrap it all up especially cuz each episode this season has started with a flash or a flash forward like 15 20 years in the future so it's kind of like oh my gosh how do how do they get from this this story that's set in like the early 60s to you know this late 70s or early 80s uh the uh, plot reveal type of thing. So it's it's it, very intriguing to see and looking forward to uh, I think each one has a couple more weeks left. So That's where I am just uh, working my way through streaming now. And Jack, what about you?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, there's a few things. I just um, I've actually just read. um, uh, Just finished a novel. I finished The Lincoln Highway by uh, Amor Towles, uh, whom I love. He wrote A Gentleman from Moscow. I don't know if you've read it, but it's it's worth checking out. And I um, also just finished uh, a a nonfiction book called D-Day Girls, which is about how the, the British spy network of women who parachuted into france before d-day um hmm. and that was actually kind of i didn't know anything about that and That was fascinating and um television i i just watched recently kunk on earth um which is on netflix it's okay. called Punk on earth yeah and it's um it it's a you know the, the premise is that it's a, a british style documentary with a british documentary presenter in that classic way but she's a moron. <laughs> and so um it's hysterically written. It's very funny. Um, there's a nice conceit too where they will interview actual authorities on different topics in history. Um, and they're just told that, you know, just be prepared, just answer her. And uh, she'll ask absurd questions, and some of them play along and some of them are dumbfounded. Um, so I highly recommend that. I, I know it's getting a good buzz. I and I checked it out initially because I just finished uh writing a um a, like a, a mockumentary myself a mockumentary yeah. podcast a true crime mockumentary so um uh so but it's really wonderfully done and um also ted lasso of course
2: mm-hmm. well, that's, that's great. great i watched this on I, apple too this week we recently oh i finished mythic quest that's what it was what a silly show that is anyway that's
0: <laughs> a good <laughs> one about video game creation and also very realistic to to life Uh, Yeah, I'm sure sure a lot of the jokes landed a lot harder for you than they probably would for people not as familiar with the industry. Right, right. I'm just pointing at the screen the whole time going, yes, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) And your wife's like, will you stop that? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Okay. so so Jack, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, As you mentioned in the beginning that you started as an actor and then kind of segued into being a writer. So, I mean, were you... What were you just did you start out like I want to be an actor and then you realized you know, actually, I think I have a talent for writing or how did how did you get into the writing aspect?
1: I was all over the map. Uh, and uh, when I I think I, I always knew I think I wanted to be a writer of in, in some way. And then really in my teens, um I like half of every, you know, uh, suburban uh, high school, I wanted to be a songwriter. Uh, and so, you know, and I, I really wanted to be Elvis Costello or John Lennon, but you know, they, they were due to, you know, those jobs were taken. And so I, I realized that I really was, I kept on doing a lot of acting in, in, in college and I, I thought it was something I would just sort of drop, but I, I sort of never did. I forgot to stop doing it. And so, um, I was working a bit and then I started writing some sketch comedy, mm-hmm. um, doing a lot of sketch comedy and, uh, which was a great, great training for, uh writing because we would do a show in the village every new, an hours with new material every two weeks and uh the audience would would like it or they wouldn't and you'd find out you'd get immediate immediate feedback um and uh and so then I uh then I became a, a father and so I started I uh, couldn't really act full-time anymore because I wasn't getting enough work and so I became a teacher and uh but I really stuck to the writing and saw well and I ch- I think I chose plays I joked early about being a playwright but the reason I think I fell into playwriting is because it felt more plausible to me i mean that's ironic in a way but i mean um but i had been in theater all my life so like i felt like well i could do that you know like writing a writing screenplays or you know uh, tv scripts which you know which i've done subsequently but um at first i felt a little bit ridiculous like that's well that might as well be on mars you know uh so at least write what i could do what what i know a little bit of and then i just sort of again forgot to get out of that habit (laughs)
0: <laughs> so i uh, actually i want a quick question about the sketch comedy uh so it sounds sounds like was it like a not a comedy troupe but like an acting troupe it was a comedy troupe
1: it was a okay comedy troupe. uh we had a show It was called the waiting room and um which is not the best title of our sketches <laughs> were funnier than the title and uh but we played regularly uh in the city and um and you know, got nowhere. I mean, we had people who had we had a small following, but we didn't uh, weren't able to take it to that sort of next level. And so, um, other there were really two main writers, myself and another guy, and the, the third guy was writing a fair amount too, and towards the end. But um, you know, they sort of gave up on it. I would have continued doing it. I was really enjoying it. I was just, like, I was really. I think this is true of a lot of my uh, approach to writing. I just was loving, you know, the um, this the craft of it, like trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to get it right. Um, and I was to a fault, probably not as concerned about, well, we're, we're sort of treading water here, uh, in terms of like uh, momentum for the career. And that, and that was true, no doubt. But I was busy thinking, well, I, I think I'm finally getting how, really getting how to write a sketch down now. Sure. Uh, and that was like, I've always been a little bit obsessive about the nuts and bolts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh. So without me noticing <laughs> they actually pulled up their stakes and left. And I thought, well, I, I better try writing something else now.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, you said it was a great training ground. So, I mean, it's not really just about the comedy, but it's also about, I guess, I mean, almost like structure of a sick, of a sketch or a scene kind of like you need to have the beginning, all the middle the and the payoff. Okay.
1: Yeah, all of the above. And really it's uh figuring out what's different between being what works on the page as opposed to, to what works on the stage. Um, okay. uh, you know, when, uh, for I think most writers, certainly most playwrights, um, you need to hear the play out loud before you do anything with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you write your first draft and you make it as good as you can make it. And with you know, with laptops, and I'd love you guys' take on this, but to me, with laptops, I don't have a first draft. I have like a one thousand five hundred twenty-fifth draft <laughs> that you know that I've gone back over and I've redone stuff and you know, eliminated a lot of the typos and put in new typos and um, you know, and so that was you know, so what I do that and then you really don't know until you hear it. Uh, and, uh, and so like, that's very valuable. Uh, so the audience reaction is even, is like the best focus group in the world because, um, you, you, you know, no matter how many relatives you have in the audience that, you know, that you (laughs) can't fake laughter. I mean, you can, but it's obvious what it's, that it's fake,
0: right? I, see, I Actually, I, I wanted to ask. I mean, did you ever, I guess, give the jokes a test or the sketches a test run, or did you just like, okay, we're getting you. You come up with them, like the three of you. Uh, you come up with them mm-hmm. on your own, and then you just like go to a performance and and as you said, see which one hits and which one don't.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I haven't been in a writers' room uh, very often, but it was very much a writers' room sort of situation. I mean, there were there was I think six or seven people in the group, and we just we'd read them out loud and we we'd work on them in the group and. You know, again, sort of the pass the the laughter test. You know, does that you know make people who haven't uh, heard it laugh? You know, are you left saying no? Let me explain why this is funny. <laughs> yeah, which is always which Let's is diagram the joke. Yeah, which is more than me. You know, and so if you have to hand out like a do a PowerPoint as to why you should enjoy <laughs> the sketch,
0: uh, it's really not going to land. I I totally, I totally understand that. So, okay. So then you transition to more playwriting. Mm -hmm. So did you just try your hand at so many different genres? Like, you know, here's straight up drama and here's something serious. Here's something lighthearted. Here's here's, here's a, a, you know, French bedroom farce type of thing. Did you like just kind of like just try everything and then you realize, okay, these seem to be my specialties.
1: Yeah. That's a great, yeah. It's it's interesting. I know I, I wanted to write the first French, bedroom greek tragedy and it didn't um but i actually i would have thought i was going to write comedy because i'd been writing nothing but comedy the whole time sure and as it turns out all of my plays for the most part though this um I had a little web series night and, and this this thing I about the true crime thing i just did was pure comedy For the most part they're all dramas and they're all usually tackling some pretty serious matter but um What's nice is that uh, you know they're they're funny throughout, so you don't even necessarily realize until it becomes obvious. Oh my gosh, we're really dealing with some really dark, you know, or some some very problematic things. But um, but you're enjoying it at least. I mean, at least there's laughter along the way, you know, (laughs) and there's a laughter along the way. Um, But I mean the uh, and that to me is you know like the best dramas to me um, also aren't afraid to try to be funny, Um, and it's you know and in real life sort of oftentimes the bleaker the uh, circumstances, the more in the corner you're pushed, you know, the the more uh, black humor sort of comes into it. Um, so I, I would say that, I would say that uh, I tend
0: to write either very,
1: I think, I think very, you know, uh, either black comedies or um, funny dramas.
0: Black comedies or funny dramas. I actually, I'm very intrigued. So were there any uh, playwrights or even just writers overall that really, were really a big influence or that you try to, I want to say, do you, you try to emulate them, but then you kind of like you feel from them, slowly yeah. developed your own style?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of my favorite playwrights, um, you know, I, I really love a lot of, uh, <laughs> I love my favorite playwrights. Uh, I, you know, uh, it's varied. Like from, you know, I love the classic guys like Miller and, and Williams from the, Ameri- you know, classic American theater. Um, and I also love Tom Stoppard. And uh, there's a writer out now, Gina whom who writes in the sort of, that sort of vein whom I think is great, but I don't know that I sound like any of them. You know, I didn't try to sound like any of them per se. Um, and it just, um, yeah, you develop your own style and absolutely. I'm, you know, the old cliche about, you know, don't, you know, you know, good artists, borrow great artists, steal, I'd be totally happy to steal. Although that doesn't necessarily make me a great artist, but unfortunately, I wish it were that easy. But um, I find that even if I, I never set out to try to sound like one, but even like I try to do something in a certain flavor, it's 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 going to come out you anyway, you know, for better or for worse.
0: Yeah. So did uh, so in response to your works, did anyone ever say, oh, I can definitely see the influence of you know, insert name of writer. I leader. get, yeah,
1: I get Edward Albee a lot. He wrote hmm. Who's a of Virginia Woolf? Uh, it was the most famous one. He won a bunch of Pulitzers. He he's a little bit more experimental than I am. Um, mm-hmm. it's sort of that George and Martha, you know, in in the in the living room, sort of just sort of throwing acid darts at each other. Although, you know, my my characters are generally a little bit a little bit nicer. They're generally a little bit more self-loathing. Uh although it's hard to be more self-loathing than George in that play, but uh, or Martha. But yeah, so I've heard Edward Albee a lot, which is a huge compliment because I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of his work. Um you know, uh, Edward Albee but without the genius. I've heard a lot. <laughs> but, um so if you so you know, yeah, stuff like that. So I think that's probably the most um that's the closest you can get to it. I, you know, Marsha Mason, who you know, the uh who's been nominated for a lot of Academy Awards, she was Neil Simon's wife. She um, you know, I have an online theater company on our first play was actually a play of mine, and it was a play called Jericho, and she directed it. And um, whenever she would laugh at something and she and she would say, Oh, this is very funny, to me, that was like the absolute, you know, chef's kiss, right? That was the wow. seal of approval, you know. Well, you know, that well, she knows comedy. <laughs> you yeah, know, she
2: knows yeah.
0: So, okay, so I'm gonna. I have so I have one more question that I'll toss it over to Justin. So mm-hmm. since you're in New York, so I guess you get to Broadway quite a bit. Have you seen anything lately that you just were just like, wow, that is some great writing? I mean, uh, I'm uh, hopefully it's more of a you know not a not a musical.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not opposed to any musicals, but I, I very seldom go to musicals. They're more they're slightly more expensive. I mean, sure. Frankly, I haven't been to Broadway. I used to go to Broadway a lot, and I haven't been. That much often, uh, that that often recently because, um, first of all, the pricing is is generally prohibitive, prohibitive. Sure, to sure. Do I think, a, a horrible extent, and, and the same for off Broadway as well. But there are some good plays out there. Um, there was a revival uh, of a play back in the fall. Um, of a play by a guy named Richard Greenberg. Um, called Take Me Out, which is which is a great play, and uh, Richard Greenberg writes amazing dialogue. Um, very funny and very sharp. Uh, but also dramatic, and it's about a uh, a team, a baseball team that is clearly meant to be the New York Yankees in the late '90s. And there's a player who's clearly meant to be Derek Jeter, but not <laughs>
2: Derek.
1: And he comes out and announces just casually to the media when they that, that he's gay, and and this is of course centered and like takes place around the late '90s, so people were just transitioning for the most part, you know, as the general public to kind of realizing that it's not something you know scandalous, but you know, in, in the baseball team, a bunch of guys in the baseball team, it was problematic in a lot of ways. And so it's a, you know, it's an hysterically funny play, but it also really gets at the root of a lot of prejudices and, um, you know, in, in wrestling with our with our beliefs and our state, you know, knowing what we kn- uh, know to be true and being willing to change, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's not at all prescriptive or, or uh, doesn't have any sort of uh, morals. I hate plays that or anything that has a moral or tries to teach you anything. It's just a wonderfully written play. So Richard Greenberg is someone to check out.
0: Fantastic.
2: That is some good stuff. Okay, Justin. All right. That's actually a good one to start with because I was going to ask, like, so Richard Greenberg, what are some other playwrights or plays that those of us who have no idea what we're doing should probably start with or become familiar well, with so that we don't sound basic?
1: No, I mean, I'm an expert in, in, in having no idea what you're doing. So you've come to the right guy. <laughs> so um, I would say, uh, well, let's just deal with like this like century, right? So we'll just deal with like relatively new stuff. I would say... Um, some of the best American plays that I know of uh, one is uh, called August Osage County. It uh, won the Academy award. It was a very unenjoyable film, but it's a great play. It's a tremendous play. Okay. By a man named Tracy Letts, who's also a well-known actor. Um, mm-hmm. So he has the career I would have liked to have had. Uh, he's, he's stolen my career. He was in uh, he's been in a lot of things. He was in uh, Homeland for a few years too, but he's mm-hmm. And he was also in um, the show recently about the LA Lakers. He played uh, the coach who got into the bicycle accident. Spoiler alert. Um, And, uh, but one of America's greatest playwrights and actually another man is whom I know a little bit. Stephen Adley Gerges is one of Pulitzer as is Tracy Letts. He's also in that series. So two of America's best playwrights are actors in that LA Lakers series, which I find very funny. (laughs) He's he's Stephen Adley Gerges is brilliant. He, um, very touching and funny and deeply profane, but in a wonderful way. Um, uh there's a thing you won the pulitzer for which is also up for best rivals called Bes- uh, between riverside and crazy that's definitely worth your time it, that's a brilliant play i mean really any of his plays are brilliant um and um also i mean there and this was turned into I, what i thought was a good film um was a guy named john patrick shanley who wrote doubt um mm-hmm. which you know was the meryl streep and philip seymour hoffman um the play in olivia davis the um the play, you know, was, it was based on a play, and the play was quite excellent uh, as well. Um, then I meant just mentioned her, actually, but there's a writer, if you really want to sound really cool inside baseball, there's a writer named Gina Gianfrido, who's, who's who's not, she's not like she's not well-known, but um, she was nominated for a poll. So there's a play of hers called Becky Shaw, which is considered uh, uh, very good. And also Rapture, Blister Burn is a great play. Um, and there's amazing plays also, and I'll give you one more, a guy named Lucas Nath, which is it's spelled h-n-a-t-h um and he has a play called he has a bunch of great plays again he's a terrific writer but um there's a show uh play that's called the christians which is one of these plays and i'm sure you as as writers yourselves you've read things in your genre and you thought oh, i so wish i had written that um and that's pretty much everything he writes comes out that way
2: Really cool um i wanted to ask about the word playwright uh why is it spelled how is it is spelled do you know uh
1: yes i do know um <laughs> I do know, and I I prepped for this.
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) And I am not someone you normally want to go to for spelling questions. But Wright uh, is a a builder of plays,
2: ah, okay, like a
1: shipwright or uh, cool. Wright used to be a builder of plays, yeah. Uh, And uh, but of course, with the homonym Wright, it becomes confusing. Yeah, yeah, Uh, (laughs) I gotcha. Yeah, and it started. I don't know when that started. uh, And I'll get back to you on that. Uh, But I, I, but I do know, like when Shakespeare was around, they were called dramatic poets okay uh, and then it morphed into really uh, cool yeah so imagine so you're uh, a lot of i'm a lot of fun at parties obviously
2: <laughs> no it's good you got to have this kind of information sure. so imagine you're sitting down and you're like i want to write stories i probably want to do screenplays but maybe plays or maybe screenplays. i don't know ah and you have some ideas what would make you think that like the idea is better as one or the other or what would make you lean into one or the other um for me uh it's well there are tons of pragmatics to consider right um
1: and for me, it's generally a pragmatic uh, issue. Uh, I wrote a um, miniseries, which hasn't been picked up yet. So anyone wants to try it, and, and about that is about the the Booth families and John Wilkes Booth, who is arguably the least interesting member of that family. It's a fascinating story um, of love and loss. No, but it's a really great story. And uh, but as I as I as I researched, it, I thought this can't be a play. It's really an intergenerational series, and so which was great because it expands the canvas a lot. I mean, it, theater is, um, very constricting, which is fun in a way. Cause it's like, it's like, it's a it force you to be disciplined. It's like, you know, how some poets like to write a sonnet because there's such rules that you have to stick to. I have a play like that play, um, Jericho that Marsha Mason directed that has six characters and that's the most, uh, there's the most actors I've ever been able to get away with in a play tops of six. So if you can have a story that can be told by a few characters in one or two rooms, <laughs> then it seems clear to me that it should be a play. Uh, if you have something else that should be a little bit that's wider in scope, then you want to write for TV or movies. And of course, also if you like, you know, eating, uh, you know, and paying bills, you should write for TV or movies as well. <laughs> um, that's you know, it's much nicer. I mean, the, the the upside for being a playwright is they will not change, a, they cannot change a comma without your expressed approval. Oh, Interesting. Uh, Yeah, it's the only piece of punctuation they let you keep. No, you can't do anything (laughs) uh, with it. And and that's like a thank you gift. It's like, here, it's a consolation prize for not really giving you much money. Um, You know, there you go. But also as a playwright, I I think um, I'm not a great visual writer. And I think screenplays have certainly, and this is not news, but screenplays have obviously evolved over the years to become far more visual. And, um, you know, even if you go back to like the 70s or 80s, the amount of dialogue in the movies has been like halved, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, even in, you know, in no matter, no matter the film. And so, and that's not a bad discipline because you always want to economize language where you generally can, but plays, language is the main vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in, I think in, to a certain extent, certainly in television and to a larger extent in film, it's it's just visual. Versus, yeah. Um, so, I mean, for me, my particular, um, you can look at it two ways. My strength uh, could, you could argue my strength is language. You could argue that my weakness is, is verbosity. Um, and so as this interview is bearing out, but I think that, um, it'd be, it's more of a transition for me. It's like more of a thing I have to consciously, um, set out and say, okay, I've really got to economize and got to economize, which by the way, is not a bad thing in plays either. But, um, at a certain point it becomes a false economy because if that's what you do and that's what a play, that's what the play wants to be, you're okay with that. But, um, you know, uh, I, I think anyway, generally most screenplays, I mean, Tarantino's not an obvious exception, but um, I mean, and one of the things that makes Tarantino such a fascinating writer and, and such an exception that he can get away with is he'll have scenes like, you know, in uh, Glorious Bastards, there's a bunch of scenes that are 20 minutes long, <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's two people. I mean, that scene in the um, in the tavern, again, spoiler alert, but um, which I won't give anything away. It's one of the best scenes I've read or seen in, in years. And that's just people sitting at a table talking, you know, until yeah. the very end anyway. And um, and it's so dense with dialogue and good dialogue. Right. It sort of sings along beautifully. But that's such an exception. It's, it sort of stands out because it's such an exception in many ways.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to dive back into what you said about the commas and whatnot. So the role is kind of the business side of it. So yeah. So like they say that TV is the medium of writers, but it sounds like for plays it's even more so. Like it's
1: plays more so. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, TV is is more of a writer's medium, obviously. Um, but plays very much so. And because, and I'm sort of being sarcastic when I say it's a consolation prize for not making much money, but it kind of is. Um, you know, there's a there's an expression in the theater that. Um, that you, that you really can't make a living, but you can make a killing. Uh, if you, uh, you know, like if you hit the right play at the right time, you can get, yeah. you, you can be set. But um, yeah, it's very much, um, one of the things I love about theater actually in plays is that it's very much a collaborative process and you're in the rehearsal room. Uh, although some directors are not thrilled with the playwright always being in the room and the actors aren't always thrilled with it because, huh. um, you know, the um, because they become a little self-conscious because the playwright is, does have the final word and all these things. Okay. Uh, and even they, they're involved in casting generally the standard contract for example um is you know the writer um you know is to be it has a say in casting um and I forget the phrase but it's not to be you know um his decision in casting is um uh, as long you know is not as long as it's not unreasonably held which basically means that you can like really put your foot down about an actor but it has to be reasonable. It has to be fair. Now, it's a, it's a lovely, vague qual- uh, term, but they have a same casting. We have a say theoretically in everything. Uh, but really what we have – what we're dictor- dictatorial about is that – or at least uh, potentially dictatorial about is is language. They will not – they'll – I've had actors and God bless them. They'll say literally, literally things like, well, you have me saying cannot here. Can I change it to can't? Um, and you know – I'm generally pretty flexible about that. Although sometimes like I hear it in a certain way and I'm like, nah, I don't want, I mean, something like that, I don't think I would ever be that nitpicky about, but yeah. Um, and there have been things where I've, you know, people are like, you know, speaking of punctuation, I've like, i like, I will like write a dash in something. And then like, if they're pausing too long, I'm like, well, you're playing an ellipses and you and need yeah. a, a dash here. <laughs> you know? for sure, For sure. Yeah. So, it's, <laughs> yeah. So they do give you a lot of um, leeway in that. And, you know, I, most of the playwrights I know who are any good, um are very generous about that you know like i'm not particularly precious about my my language at all and if people i would say that usually i would say 80 of the time I, i'll say yes
2: um you oh. know and uh, yeah i want to hear about no. i going to hear about so if somebody wants to go out there and produce their own play they're going to write their play and get it on their local stage versus at mm-hmm. your level or at the other people levels of names you've mentioned is it more like, is this more of a totally different game where they're, you have an agent and you have producers who get to produce it to the directors and all this stuff? Or yeah what does that difference look like between the starting off and the higher up?
1: Right. Well, the, you know, it, it depends on, on what your, uh, I, I guess what your options are in terms of like um if you have a community theater or something like that, if you want to start off mm-hmm. um, in, in that way, then yeah. I mean, the one thing I would recommend, and I think this is, I guess. This is a truism for almost everything, but certainly for all writing is you just got to do it, just do it and do it. And um, even in in plays, of course, are different than a lot of other things in that the text isn't the event, you know, it's uh, it's the blueprint of the event. And so unlike a novelist who says, oh, I've written my novel now, now they can Mm. try or they can get it published or fail to, but it exists at least, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a completed thing. So, um, if you're a playwright trying to start out, you really want to get it up on its feet somehow, even if it's just friends in your apartment, just to hear it out. I mean, I think that's incredibly vital for a playwright. And then, and then I'm sure there are a lot of places, you know, um, in your area, you know, who would be, would that, I think would probably be interested in doing it, you know, go to your library, see if they can, they'll let you have their uh, meeting room for a day or something. Cause I think for a playwright, it needs to be, performed and it needs to be heard above everything else. I think that's really important. Um, and in terms of like, if you're in, if you're starting out like in Chicago or New York or LA, even just get your friends together and, and, and work at it and and put them up, you know, get a black box um, and, uh, you know, you know, scrimp and save. And uh, you know, the, you know, you got to do it, doing it is the thing.
2: Yeah. And last one for me, and I'll see if Paul has some more closers uh, related to one of the topics on this email that we got was the barriers so like what kind of barriers are there for you know people who are having a part-time hard, hard time getting produced or you know starting right. off even of course it's just getting out there and doing it but then once you start getting I'm sure there's some plateau where you're like okay now how do I get from here to here
1: well I mean by the way I I, I, if, I if I knew the answer uh I would <laughs> tell you uh I mean getting produced is always hard uh for 99.9% of playwrights and that's that's certainly including me um but I you know I, I think the barriers you know, I one of the t- we were talking about because you know I'm uh, part of an online theater company which started during the pandemic and it uh, is different you know we found that a way we think of telling you know uh, plays that don't it, that don't look like zoom readings but mm-hmm. aren't television or on film either and but you. they were like the er, like the other stuff we were talking about about plays sort of being more forgiving of language or sort of more intent on language um this captures that and and provides for that and you know most people don't go to plays. I mean, no one goes to plays, for the most, statistically speaking, right? It's the margin of error that goes to plays. But uh, that's in large part, I think, because people, it's just not on anyone's radar. And a big part of that is geography, which is a huge barrier uh, from access to a quality theater, and then expense. Uh, talking earlier about how expensive these things are. And so one of the things that um, my theater company, which, whose name is New Normal Rep, and we're very excited about it, is that it's, we're trying to get the word out there that theatrical events and dramatic plays are, you know, are worth it. And they are a little bit different than TVs and they're a little bit different than movies. And they really bring something to the table that I think is entertaining. Um, and you can access it if you have a computer. And um, you know, we did a radio play too, that we put on a podcast platform called step nine, which is um, I'm sure will be in your show notes. And um, so, which I really urge you to, to listen to it's free. So really, we're about trying to just get the word out there, and radio plays are great too because talk—it's it's just language, and so um, you know it's a very different way of storytelling. You know, there uh, and it's not better or worse; it's just different. And I think um, if we get some people uh, to kind of think, "Oh, this is an interesting way of hearing a story and uh, pursuing a narrative," then um, then that then all the better for everyone.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so actually, so one of the things I wanted to ask you, so as a uh, that's okay, that's okay. My dog's doing the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the thing, one of the things that, especially as a screenwriter, that you hear a lot of, especially when you're starting out, is that you should take an acting class because it'll help you kind of get a better perspective for both the story, but also, I guess, the characters and how it all fits together. So you are a are also a writing instructor. So, mm. I mean, and you work with actors as well. So, I mean, is that something that when you take on a new client or a new uh, student, do you, mm. I mean, if they're not an actor, do you recommend that to them as well? And uh, kind of a follow-up mm. if for the, the students that are actors, like, mm. do, do they have a different approach to how they're learning about how to write?
1: Oh, that—that's a really good question. I'm going to get to that second because I have no idea what the answer is. I need to—I need to think about that <laughs> sure. for a second because it's a very—it's a really interesting question. But the first answer is absolutely 100. I mean, uh, if you're talking about—I um, would argue really even if you're writing fiction or writing other things, it's always good to get a sense of character. Uh, it's another way of approaching character. But certainly, if you're writing uh, drama, you know, television or, or movies or plays, absolutely take an acting class. And I think there's a reason that a lot of really well-known playwrights started out as actors and it really helped me as a playwright too because I, without realizing it i sort of absorbed not only um the psych, the you know the sense of approaching a character and the psychology but also a sense of what a, the structure should be like and when you're in a scene you know when, you're, when you when you're playing a scene you know if it's if if the dialogue isn't working you know so you get a sense and one of the big events for me or big advantages for me about hearing a play or hearing stuff spoken out loud is that you hear redundancies and it's like, get to the point, get to the point, get to the point. Um, and as an actor too, you get that sense too. So you'll learn what's, how writing that doesn't get to the point sounds like and what writing that does get to the point sounds like. Also a simple thing, even if you're writing, you're writing a screenplay or something, something that sounds good or weird in your mouth or is hard to say, you know, or can you can you find a way of saying it that's simpler, You know, or does it turn to mush in your mouth? It sounds silly, but it's really so many most of the line changes I've written where actors will say, it's, can I just say this instead? It's the same exact meaning, but like it's just simpler to say. And so yeah, I couldn't recommend that more. As for um the other question, <laughs> remind me what the other question is. Yeah, again. the other
0: question was so so if you have a new uh you know client or student who who mm. is an actor, yeah, how how is it for them oh. to transition into being a writer? I mean, is it think, easier? Or do they yeah. just take a different approach? It's a different approach I've found. Um and it's
1: um, inevitably, I mean, like as a, if you're it, because the actors are used to viewing things from the perspective of one character. And so they generally and as a start and I'm generalizing horribly, but what uh, I've noticed is that uh, actors who are trying to do dramatic writing often have a good idea for a story um, and have a good sense of character, but they tend to focus more on one character than the others. And also, um they generally have a good sense of psychology, which is, of course, is a really critical and uh, critically important in fiction uh, and drama. But um the it's the other stuff. They just view it as as characters. So structure and pacing aren't things that they've necessarily taken uh, into consideration as much. Um, mm-hmm. but generally, they they come to it with a fairly impeccable psychological uh, instincts about it.
0: So they so, so they that, so they're able to, as you said, they, they're they able to focus more on, I guess, like one character rather than kind of like taking a world view or an overhead kind of view. Like, OK, yeah. I've got this I got this main character, but I've got, you know, his wife and the neighbor and I've got his boss and I've got the three kids and you know, and, yeah. and this other character who's in three scenes type of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they also have to be careful, too, I find. And one and, other and, thing I found, too, is with actors who've written stuff, at least the first few things the central character is inevitably like they are, which is, I mean, true of a lot of fiction, right? I mean, that's true. That's true of a lot of writing. Um, But all the other characters, you know, they got to learn different voices Uh, like, you know, you know, how the, how the characters sound. And I guess that's true of all writers, but um, you know, if you're a good playwright and you're uh, smart, you'll listen to really the smart actors in the room and listen to other people and not be a jerk and not be, here's the thing about like, they can't change a comma. If you're precious about it, you're an idiot. You know, the, I feel the best idea in the room should win. And you have to be open to the idea that the best idea in the room should win. But the one time, because uh, I know a lot of friends in, the, in our company, Nuna Marupis, some amazingly smart actors whom I trust implicitly um, on your judgment. The only caveat you have to have in that is that actors will be advocating for their character. It, seeing the totality of the play isn't something a lot of actors aren't, are mm-hmm. bothering themselves with because that's kind of not their job. Their job is to know the character uh and advocate for the character and so sometimes you see um a fair you know starting out anyway there's some sort of straw man and in, in like two-dimensional characters you know in the way of what the, the psychologically rich character wants
0: okay I, I totally get that because a lot of times that when uh, as you're starting about starting out like for me for screenwriting that mm-hmm. i always had very flat or one or two-dimensional characters because i was focusing more almost on the story and the plot and not trying to flesh out the characters. It sounds like from an actor's approach to it, that they're starting with the characters and maybe, maybe the story is weak or it's just kind of like, and like, well, my character would do this, but you know, but it's the, why would your character do that? And how does it impact the other characters? And sometimes they don't take that into consideration.
1: Exactly. Right. I mean, listen, I, and I'm saying this, and there's probably a fair amount of projection in this because it's not like I don't write, you fall into those traps too. Right. And so where, uh, you know, the bottom line is, you know, a sort of mercilessness mercilessness with your with your characters, right? And I think that probably transcends all writing. And, you know, uh, you have to be honest and say, well, my character might not do this or it might do that. But, yeah, that's – who cares? What you're, you know, your character will do whatever the writer tells the character to do, you know? And so it's your job to sort of make that fit. Now, of course, the writer uh, has to – if they're any good, there will be a way of getting there. And if they're not, if it's not working, and it, Lord knows that's happened to me a lot, um, you have to be open to the idea that, okay, if if this actor is smart and I trust them, um, and they're telling me the character isn't working um, because of this, the character would do this, I'd be an idiot not to at least listen to that and entertain that thought. Um, and that's, I guess, one advantage, right, as opposed to, say, being a novelist, or you know, your characters can't say have a conversation with you and say, um, I'm not really, in this scene, this doesn't really work. Um, And so that's, it's kind of almost a cheat code in a way. Uh, Key is to listen to figure out who the actors are you should listen to. (laughs) But um, yeah, so that's, and I I think that's a great point. Actors have a certain point of view and they come to it. um, Usually it's psychology and sense of character and the other stuff they have to learn along the way.
0: Mm-hmm. very much so Jack this has been fascinating I so how could people get in touch with you? I mean because you've got your your plays and you've got your podcast and your online radio shows and also I uh, I'm sure people would be interested to know especially about your your, your mentoring for writers how yes. can people how can people get in touch with you?
1: well uh they can uh message me on Instagram or uh Twitter and I'm it's at, at Jack canfora um they can go to my website which is Jack canfora writer. Really putting hitting it on the nose dot uh, com, um, and uh, or they I've Jack for on Facebook, uh, and they could um, also reach out to me on our theater company's website, which is uh, newnormalrep dot org, um, and uh, so the, I would love you. Yeah, I would love it, please. Uh, I, would, I would I would love to uh, hear from people, um, and I would like lo- and also a uh, new normal rep also has a YouTube page which has our first um, virtual play streaming for free. Called Jericho. So please check that out. And um and our podcast uh called which is called step nine, number nine. So uh I hope you check that out. Yeah, that's like that every- really, really.
0: and you also you, do, do you also said that you had one of your uh your radio plays was streaming online as well?
1: Yes, that's step nine. Step nine. So oh, if, okay. you just, if you just type in new normal rep um and then step nine, the number nine, at your local podcastery, they <laughs> will uh they will have it for you at the ready. Um, and I also have a blog called The Writing on the Padded Wall, which is uh, about dramatic writing and in uh, mental health and the overlap between the two. Mm. Uh, sometimes at odds, but
0: yeah. Um, I was going to say that seems very apt for, for pretty
1: much any writer. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So check it out, please.
0: All right. Jack, this this has been great stuff. Thank you so much for being on the show today. All yeah, all thank I just, you no.
1: Know, I'm a fan of the podcast, and uh, so it's just a thrill for me to be on and talk to you guys. Thank
0: you. Well, thank you. We appreciate that.
2: Yeah, I learned a lot. I think it's going to be very helpful to our listeners, especially... I've heard so many people talk about how playwriting is uh, actually very valuable, especially getting into... I had a mentorship with a Netflix uh, creative exec, and they were saying a lot mm-hmm. of the people they look for to get into writing their fe- their animated films, even, are playwrights. They see that as like a huge bonus. So I, I think so. Our...
1: Yeah, well, theater is like famous for like, you know, theater's lament is like all our best playwrights are taken, <laughs> and they, you know, and they're, with, you know, things like money and, you know, uh, uh, and right to me. Yeah, and also, by the way, screenwriting is amazingly good training, even though it's different than playwriting, but for playwrights, because okay. it's because the object of any, especially in screenwriting, but really of any scene and in any form of writing is get into the scene as fast as you can get out of it as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. And screenwriting is viciously merciless with that. Uh, and as a playwright, that's always it's always a good reminder. Awesome. Yes, yeah, hmm. so there
2: we go, folks. Here's some back and forth between the two. And and now you have a way to uh, get started and some great listening material and lots of playwrights to check out. And uh, thanks again, Jack. And listeners, you. if you can leave reviews and all that stuff, share word of mouth, go check out Jack's websites that we'll put into the links. And uh, thank you so much. Again, this
0: is the Creative Writing Life podcast. I'm Justin Sloan. And I'm Paul Zeidman. You can check out my screenwriting blog, Maximum Z at MaximumZ.blog. I'm also on Twitter at Maximum underscore Z. And you can also check out my screenwriting books, the Go Ahead and Ask series on Amazon. Like you said, he's Justin. That's Jack. I'm Paul. This has been the Creative Writing Life podcast. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy. And most importantly, go write something.